Thank you for listening to the podcast of Antioch Church, a Christian community in Bend, Oregon, being formed by the story of a God who is making all things new, including us. You can learn more at antiochchurch.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Antioch. It is good to be with you today. It is well. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I thank you for the privilege to stand in your name. I thank you for these, your people, Lord, gathered in this space, Lord God. Thank you for... Um, the sun and the breeze and your presence here with us. I pray, God, that you speak to our hearts today, that you give clarity and understanding, that you give wisdom and power, God, that you give grace to do what it is you are calling us to do, to be what it is you are calling us to be and to believe you, oh God, because your word is true. Your promises are yea and amen, that you might be glorified. Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Bible is filled with stories of women of faith often nameless, faceless women, and yet crucial characters in the story of God and his kingdom. Elisha, a prophet, had an encounter with one of these women. And she is referred to simply as a great woman. She was a woman of prominence and influence in her town. Elisha simply called her that Shunammite. As a little bit of backstory, um, previously Elijah had been the prophet and Elijah has been taken up and Elisha appointed his successor. He has literally received the mantle from Elijah. He was appointed to serve as prophet of God. And with this, this role as mouthpiece, he was given permission and authority to speak to his people, to speak to those in leadership, and enabled to perform miracles in evidence of that authority. So as he passed through Shunem, There lived a great woman, the scripture says. Now, we don't know a ton about her, but from what we read, we do understand that she was a woman who was given to hospitality, much like Antioch. And perhaps she had the gifts of giving and discernment. Because the Bible says that she was constrained, she was compelled in verse 8, 
for Elisha to stop and to have a meal with them. Elisha would be going to and fro, passing through towns, doing his work. And apparently he passed close enough to where this woman lived that she noticed him. She paid attention and she felt compelled to invite him to come and to share a meal at her house. And as uh, God would have it, this became his custom. For the Bible says as often as he was in Shunem, he would stop and dine with them. In other words, they developed a relationship. They developed perhaps a friendship because they, he frequently came to her house and dined with them. So much so that eventually she said to her husband, I perceive that this is a holy man of God. Let's add a room and furnish it so he can stay there when he comes. She was a woman of hospitality. She was a woman of influence. She was a woman of resource and means as well, apparently. They seemed to have a business. There were servants. There was money. But she was also a woman of discernment, for she recognized that Elisha was the man of God, and she cared for the things of God. Elisha was not a mission project. He was God's man. Are you paying attention to the people that God sends your way? What is your response to those people who are coming to town, who are coming to your community, who are passing by your home? Her response was to make room. To make room in her house, to make room in her life, to make room in her schedule, to make room in her family for Elisha and those connected to Elisha. Because when Elisha traveled, it appears he did not travel alone, for he had at least one servant that traveled with him by the name of Gehazi. But Gehazi seemed to be in the role of what we would call today almost more like an intern or a mentee of Elisha. And she made room for them. Are we making room in our day? Are we making room in our plans for the things of God, for the unexpected people and things that show up? Are we making room in our finances are we making room in our families for the unexpected, for the things of God? Note, now, there is no crisis yet. Nothing has happened. She has no particular need from Elisha. She is practicing a lifestyle of generosity and a lifestyle of hospitality. It is not because somebody asked her to do this special thing, but this is the way she lived her life. 
So in verse 12, Elisha eventually asked his servant, what shall be done for her? She didn't ask, and perhaps she didn't think she needed anything. But God is debtor to no man. And God recognizes her heart, her sacrifice, and responds. Because whatever you do for the least of these, Jesus said, you do it unto me. So Gehazi, what is it that we can do for her? Should I speak to the king on her behalf? Should I speak to the leadership for her? Ask her, Gehazi, what is it we can do for her? For all the care she has shown to us. She added a room onto her house. She furnished the room. And she said, anytime you're here, come by and we will take care of you. What is it we can do for her? Gehazi. And he asked her and she said, no, I'm good. I'm good, man of God. I dwell with my own people. I'm fine. Because it wasn't about that. Just want to make sure you're okay. How do we respond when God asks, what do you want? What can I do for you? What is it that we desire in our hearts from the Lord? It's an important question. And as we walk with God over time, I believe eventually at some point, God poses the question to each of us, what is it you want from me? And you stop to think about it. What would your answer be? If you're standing before the God of heaven, that there is nothing too hard for him. The scripture says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to our God. The hills belong to our God. What is it you really want from him? In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus asked uh, Salome, the mother of James and John, what is it you wish? Because she comes to him and he poses that question to her. What is it you want? Her response, status and power for my sons. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking for. Now, later in that same chapter, two blind men, the scriptures say, Call out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And again, Jesus poses a question to them. What is it you want from me? And they replied, Lord, that we might see. And Jesus, the Bible says, was moved with compassion, touched them and their eyes were opened. What is it you want from God? What is it you are asking for? So many times we are fretting before the Lord in prayer, crying 
and we never get to what is it you want? It's like a child comes to you and they're crying, Mom, Mom, you don't know, Mom, it's such a hard day, Mom. Just, and you want us, what is it you want, child? <laughs> and sometimes that's how we are before the throne of God. And he's like, what do you want? You've been crying out to me. You've been moaning. You've been complaining, but you never get to. What is it that you're asking of me? Elisha asked the Shunammite, she said, I'm good. Because sometimes that's our response, right? Oh, I'm good, God. I Praise be to God. I am fine, Lord. Thank you. But God looked beyond her want and saw a need. Gehazi said, she has no child and her husband is old. See, at these times, a woman alone was a vulnerable person in a vulnerable state. And if her husband died, there would be no one to care for her. And they were aware of this. And so he responds that around this time, Next year, you shall have a son. And she responds, as I hear it, man, don't play with me. <laughs> don't play with me. Don't, don't start saying stuff that you're not really going to do. Don't lie to me, man of God. Because this is too important. This means too much. Don't play with me. If you're saying this, you better be telling the truth. This time next year, you will have a son. And the Bible says she conceived and bare a son as Elisha had said. Now some time passes in our text and we get to verse 18. The child is, is older now. And on this particular day, he seems to come down with some type of illness and he begins to complain, oh, my head, my head. And he goes to his father and says, Father, I'm in pain, help me. And his loving, caring father does what any good and loving, thoughtful father would do in this circumstance. He takes him to his mother. And so mom, takes her son and she holds him on her lap all morning long. And I imagine that she held him close and she rocked him and she put her chin against his forehead as we do. Uh, and to feel, is he warm and, and what else can I do? And she held on to him and perhaps she was quietly praying in her spirit. And yet the Bible says that around about noon, the child died. He died. And her response <laughs> is un unexpected. Because what, what do you do with dead things? What do you do? 
when something appears to be over. Her response was not to cry or to wail. Her response was not to run to her husband or her friends. She did not go and put on her mourning clothes or plan a funeral. She laid her child on the bed of the man of God like an altar. She called to her husband and said, send me a driver and some transportation. I am going to see the man of God. And it's apparent that her husband didn't quite know exactly what was going on. Because he was like, what? What are you talking about? It's not, it's not time to go see him. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. What is, what, what's happening? And she said, don't you worry about it. It's all right. It shall be well. It shall be well. Because I have a relationship with the man of God. I'm going to go talk to him. I have a relationship. And things are coming that will appear hopeless for us. Things are coming that will appear hopeless for your community or for your church. But those with relationship can still say, it shall be well. It shall be well. She goes, the Bible says, to Mount Carmel. Tells her driver, don't you slow down unless I tell you. And she gets close to the mountain. Elijah sees her coming. He says, Gehazi, it's that Shunammite woman. Go see what she wants. Go ask her, are you all right? Are you good? Is it okay with your husband? Is it all right with your child? And she answers an unusual answer considering the situation. Her answer is, it is well. It is well. Saints, just because it looks over doesn't mean that it is. God is eternal. He is in the past. He is in the present. He is in the future all at the same time. In Christ, we too are in him eternal. We may still be walking through some things right now in this present state here on earth, in the natural. But by faith, we can declare it is well because we know how things turn out. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well. It is well. The Shunammite woman got to Elisha. She grabbed a hold of him. And Gehazi tried to stop him. Whoa, what you doing, woman? And he said, Elisha said, that's okay, leave her alone. She's vexed in her spirit. 
she's a little bit upset. <laughs> Elisha understood because they had a relationship. He understood. He knew something was wrong. When we have a relationship with God, we can be real with him. When we're upset, when we're afraid, when we're angry, when we're frustrated, when we don't know what else to do, we can be real with God. Do you have that kind of relationship with the Father? What do you do when the things that appear, the things that matter most to you in your life appear to be dead? What do you do with dead things? Reminds me of a similar story, actually. An encounter between Martha and Jesus. Jesus had been away and Martha's brother, Lazarus, had died. He had died. And as he is approaching the city and returned, Martha goes out to meet him. And she says, Lord, I know if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I also know that even now, whatever you ask of the Father, he will do it. Life has changed. Nothing we imagined, nothing is as it should be or as it would be. What do you do when the unimaginable happens in your life? When all is out of your control, despite all your careful planning and setting aside, what do you do when things don't go as they should? The Shunammite didn't take her child to her neighbors or to her friends or to Facebook. She took him to the place and the person that represented the most high God. She reminded Elijah, she said, did I ask for a son? Did I ask you for this? Didn't I tell you don't play with me, man? Elisha knows, oh, something's wrong. He gives Gehazi his staff and he says, go and take this and lay this on the child. <laughs> But mom says, I'm not going. I'm not leaving. As surely as the Lord lives and my soul lives, your soul lives, I will not leave you. Now for Elijah, these were familiar words. He understood what she was saying. Because three times... In his encounter with Elijah, Elijah tried to leave and he said, no, as surely as the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. And again, Elijah said to him, no, you stay here. I'm going to go. He, oh, no, as surely as the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. 
a third time, as surely as the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. So when she said those words back to him, he didn't have anything further to say. He grabbed his stuff. He recognized her commitment and he followed her. When is the last time you prayed? Not polite, wrote prayers. When is the last time you prayed until something happened? When is the last time you prayed until something changed? When is the last time you prayed until something broke free? When is the last time you prayed until there was resurrection? Elijah arrives at the house and he finds the child dead, as she said. And by now, he's been dead for some time. By now, he's been dead for hours. But that's okay. Because when Jesus gets to town, when he is met by Martha, she informs him that by now, Lazarus had been dead four days. Jesus said to her, though, I am the resurrection and the life. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Elisha, verse 33, went in the house and shut the door. Elisha went in the house, shut the door on him and the child. So where is mom? Mama's outside waiting. Everything she has is in that room. Her miracle is in that room. Her hopes are in that room. Her dreams are in that room. Yet she wasn't trying to get in. She wasn't knocking. She wasn't yelling and demanding, no, I got to be here. She was waiting. She was believing. She was standing while God was inside working. Faith is not passive. Believing is not, well, the least we can do. Faith is active. We like busy because it makes us feel like we're in control. But Paul said, having done all, all that you can do, when you get to the end of that, you just stand. You stand. Someone here has done all that you know to do with a particular situation. Someone has done all that you know to do for that child. Someone has done all that you know to do for that marriage. Someone has done all within your power for that job, that situation, and now you are standing. You are waiting, and God is working. Elisha shut the door and prayed. The Bible says he laid on the child mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hand, stretched himself, and the child grew warm. Mom is outside, believing God. Imagine, I imagine, 
that it probably felt like a very long time for her. Imagine the space between Jesus saying, Lazarus, come forth, and his appearance from the tomb. I imagine that it felt like forever. I imagine that the time between crucifixion and resurrection felt like eternity to the people that followed and loved Jesus. Outside, it looked useless. I'm sure the crowd, perhaps that was gathering around mom, thought, oh, this is pointless. It's hopeless. But inside that tomb, inside that room, that child, that Lazarus was growing warm. Jesus said to Martha, whoever lives and believes shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? Martha, wherever you are, do you believe this? Martha said, yea, Lord. Jesus said, take the stone away. Now, Martha, maybe she grabbed his arm, <laughs> or maybe she, in some other way, got in front of him and said, wait, wait a minute, let me just make sure you understand, Lord, the extent of the situation. He's been dead for four days, and by now, he's not just dead. He is decomposed. He is stinking. Lord, I just want to make sure you understand where we are. I'm sure there's some people, some nice, kind, caring people in your life when you're saying, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm believing God. I'm trusting in the Most High. They are saying to you, do you understand the situation, sweetheart? Do you understand where we are? And Jesus... Jesus has a response. People say, do you understand? This problem is too big that we're dealing with in society. This is not just about an individual. It's systemic. It's in the air. It's in the water. It's in the founding documents of this country. It's in the hearts and minds of people. But Jesus is still saying in that situation, didn't I tell you if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Second Chronicle, I'm sorry, First Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, looking to support those whose hearts are completely his. The spirit of the Lord is here this morning saying, I'm just looking for some people who believe God in the face of great impossibilities, in the face of hopeless situations. I am looking 
I am looking. The spirit of God's walking in between the chairs and the umbrellas, just showing, looking for somebody. Let me see who's going to believe God. We whine. This is too much. This is too hard. This is too big. I say, your God is too small. My God is the maker of heaven and earth. He specializes in the impossible. Jesus said to Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead, the Bible says, came out of the tomb. Elisha's in that room and he stretched himself out on the child. One more time. The child sneezed and he opened his eyes. And Elisha said, Gehazi, go call that Shunammite woman. She came in the room and Elisha said, take your son. And she fell at his feet this time in worship. And he picked up, she picked up her son and she walked out the room. He that has ears to hear, she that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen.